Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm, amen. So good to be here, friends. Um, so <clears throat> just so many good memories. Um, serving in uh, Inglewood as one of the pastor elders uh, there, and then also with the Calvary family of churches. Um, this was one of the first churches that we got to work with and come alongside and, and just love and encourage and support. And as I was driving down um, last night, it just seemed like I could, uh, I was just worshiping and reminiscing about that drive and all the times that I'd come down here and just walking alongside the sweet folks at this church that um, really believed that God was not done with their church. And just to uh, encourage you to know the legacy, many times it's hard, I think, when you're in a community like this, you're in a church like this, to really see outside what is God really doing and how is he using me? And to know that I've just been blessed to be able to go and encourage other churches throughout Colorado, through the Rocky Mountain West. I've been um, as far as uh, going to Wales, going to London and England and other places, going to Africa, um, and we're having churches that are hearing your story and getting hope and encouragement that God can work through them and their local church the same way he has here in La Junta. So be encouraged this morning, friends. Um, one thing that I love seeing as I, I travel is uh, I love the fact of our logo as far as just the light. It's reminding us as individuals being a part of a Calvary church that we are to shine the light of Christ. How are we shining this light into this community? And then how are we coming together as a church? It's just so encouraging as we, um, you know, especially in the Denver metro area where there's a lot more Calvary churches, you can go into a um, grocery store parking lot and actually pull in and see a bunch of different logos on the, in these stickers on the back of cars uh, there. And then when you actually drive into uh, down a street and you see this on the front of a church, this logo, to know that, man, these are people that are really serious about loving the community, shining the light of Christ into this community, and how they are like a light on a hill. They are a city on a hill to be able to shine Christ's love. According to Jesus, the most effective way that we become this city on a hill is to actually um, love one another. And our love is the way that it's showing and encouraging the people that are far from Christ in this community. So we're going to be in Ephesians this morning. As you guys are grabbing your Bibles, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into God's Word. Heavenly Father, we lift you on high this morning. I thank you so much for a worship team that can lead us into praising you, lifting you high, giving you the glory that you deserve, Father. I pray now as we open your word, Father, that you would use it to draw us closer to you, to allow us to dig the riches out of each word of the scriptures that you have for us, that we can sharpen each other, we can grow more intimate in our love and our relationship with you, Father. So use these words in an amazing way today. Amen. Words are powerful, friends. They can build people up and they can destroy. It can bring health 
it can bring discouragement. Words that we share can be life-giving, can be life-changing, but then it can also be life-damaging and life-destroying. Listen to these verses and the graphic nature of the words that are used in the book of Proverbs as we look at the use of words. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 12.25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Proverbs 15.4, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs 15, I'm sorry, Proverbs 16.4, gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Man, that is one for a note card to go on the front of the fridge, isn't it? To be able to remind ourselves every morning as we hear that, Proverbs 16.4, gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Friends, this world is filled with life givers and life suckers. Joy givers and joy suckers. I think every one of us, when we hear the word joy sucker, there's somebody, the picture of someone's face that you know of, that man, that person is a joy sucker. I pray that I'm not one. We pray that we're not joy suckers. My mom, when I was little, man, she was a really good mom. She spent a lot of time reading books to me. I can remember as a kid sitting on the bed, and she would read Winnie the Pooh to me. I know that's old school. I don't know how many here remember Winnie the Pooh. I loved looking at the stories and the, and the picture books of, of Pooh and his honey. And he'd be asking a question on, you know, the wise old owl would come in and he'd and, uh, share some wisdom. He had the little kangaroo, Roo, maybe Tigger, the tiger was with him, but then there was that donkey. Oh, the donkey would come in. Oh, Eeyore, my word. It didn't matter, Eeyore. There could be one cloud in the sky, and instead of seeing the beauty of a beautiful day, Eeyore would talk about there's a storm coming. He always saw that the cup was half empty. Eeyore was the worst. I mean, we all can almost hear Eeyore's voice in our heads right now. He was a joy sucker. Man, we want to be joy givers, don't we? Listen to this quote by George Andrews. We should seize every opportunity to give encouragement. Encouragement is oxygen to the soul. Man, listen to that. Encouragement is oxygen to the soul. The days are always dark enough. There is no need for us to emphasize the fact by spreading further gloom. The Apostle Paul himself was an encourager. He wrote to the Christians in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. He was sending this letter encouraging them to keep doing what you're doing. You love people really well. Keep going. Keep up at it. But what exactly is encouragement? Let's, let's define it 
like this. Encouragement. The careful selection of words that are intended to influence another person towards increased godliness and conformity to Christ. Are our words doing that? Are we carefully selecting words that are intended to influence another person towards increased godliness and conformity to Christ? So the main text this morning is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Chapter 4, verse 29, Paul writes this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such that is good for building up as fits the occasion that may give grace to those who hear. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such that is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Now before we start unpacking this verse, I want to give you a little context of where Paul was at and why was he sharing this verse. If we look back earlier in chapter 4, he's actually talking to the Christians that have been reborn in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he's talking about like when we're baptized, it's resembling that the old man, the old person is dying and being raised with Christ. And so there is a battle going on of how we need to die to our old self, our old desires, the old way that we were living selfishly and sinfully, and we need to have a new life in Christ, one that's full of joy and love and passion for those around us. And so it's a great book to go through for discipleship of a new believer. But what we're going to see here in this particular verse, I feel, are three keys to encouragement. And so the first key that we see is we need to get rid of words that are corrupt. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Now, the Greek word that was used here for corrupt is called sapros. Say that with me, sapros. Sapros. Sapros is the Greek word. What's interesting, and this is why I love studying the Bible with other people, is mining for these treasures of words like this, sapros, in the Greek. Why, when Paul was writing this, why did God press in to Paul to say, look, use the word sapros when we're talking about bad, corrupting talk? What's interesting, we have to remember when we're reading the scripture, we can't help the fact that we're living in America. We're living under a democracy. There's so many things in our head that we're reading the scriptures, and we're just interpreting it and reading it with our minds today. Friends, there is so much that we are living in that we're, we don't realize like, think about movies and how movies that were PG back in the 70s and the 80s compared to today, and how we have become desensitized to bad language, corrupt talk. Look with me as we're, God in the Greek said, Paul, use the word sapros. Let me define what does sapros really mean. There is a fisherman that's been fishing all night. 
He's come back to shore. He's cleaning his fish, and he's getting the fish ready to take to the market. And he's got a bucket, and he's cleaning all the entrails, the heads, everything, is, everything nasty is going into this bucket. And he takes the fish to market. He sells the fish. He gets it uh, to the vendors, and he comes back. And he realizes, wow, this bucket has been sitting in the sun all day, and it's rotting. And I really forgot about it, and I kicked the bucket over, and now this putrid, nasty, rancid smell of rotten fish. Have you ever smelt something that takes your breath away? Like it burns your nose, and your eyes start to water immediately. Like your breath is gone. You, it is so putrid and rancid, you can't even breathe. That is sapros, friends. So this is not, oh, we're just using some Christian cuss words. This is not just corrupt talk. This is sapros. Friends, this is sarcasm. This is exaggerating, teasing. Guys at work, ah, it's just a bunch of guys, and we're going to maybe just tell an off-color joke. Friends, that's sapros. That is... God hears his children who are following their, we're born again and we're using language that is, cause, it's taking God's breath away and this putrid, rancid feeling that's coming over him because of the words we're using. Friends, we need to fight this. We need to sit there and say, I am not letting any unwholesome talk come out of my mouth. We have to fight it. That's the old self. That's the old person that just keeps coming up out of us. And this leads us to encouragement key number two. Speak words that are helpful for building others up. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such that is good for building up. What we see in the second part of this verse is that we're not only to stop saying bad things, corrupt talk, but we're supposed to be building other people up. Now the root word for building people up that was used here in the Greek wasn't so much, a lot of you would sit there and think, oh, it's a construction word. It's a carpenter, a building a foundation in a strong building. Build someone up. It's actually the root is the process before the building actually takes place. It's the carpenter going through and selecting the strongest beams, the straightest wood. What are the materials that I need to build a strong foundation? What is that selection process? That's the word that's used here. And that is telling us we need to be very careful with not only not having corrupt words coming out of our mouth, but the words we do use have been chosen wisely to build my brother and my sister up. You see, nothing less is required of us. Every word out of our mouths needs to be encouraging and giving life to the person that we're talking to. So how do we do this? How do we practically get this done? I'd like for us to just look at the community that you're living in here in La Junta and maybe three different types of people that we're going to come into contact with. Okay? First, let's just look at uh, a stranger, someone in the community here 
that we're coming in contact with, and we really don't know where are they at with the Lord. Are they a believer? Are they not? We don't know. Okay? Let's look at people in the service industry. Like, uh, you know, maybe they're a barber or uh, working at the grocery store, they're working at the gas station. Maybe they're a waitress at the, gross, at the uh, restaurant that we go to. How, when we go, how are we encouraging them? For example, we go to the grocery store, we get groceries. Instead of going to the self-checkout, like I have to fight, I'm in a, always in a hurry. I'm going to go to the self-checkout, check out my eggs, my milk, whatever, boom, I'm out of there. Instead, if I went to the cashier and the bagger that's there, I got two people that I could encourage and sit there. I mean, they're working at a grocery store, and this teenage high school kid is bagging the groceries. That kid needs encouraged. I can sit there and say, man, you're doing an amazing job today. I mean, he might be putting my bread in first and stacking everything and crushing the bread, but I don't care. I'm just going to encourage you. Man, you're doing a great job. I love you, man. You are the best grocery bagger I've ever seen. That guy, when they see you, like if you're that way with a waitress or a barber, like when Pastor Scott goes to the barber, they sit there and say, man, he is the most encouraging guy. He's a great tipper. I don't have to work really hard. And I love when he comes in, you know? I mean, he loves it. You don't want to pull into the parking lot and be that person that as soon as you get out of the car, they see you, and they're like, oh, here comes that guy again. He's the worst. He always complains. He never tips. He, he's always complaining about something. Friends, there are so many people in our world, in our community that's struggling. Like, instead of paying for gas and, and paying for your gas for your truck at the pump, in the mornings, go in and pay at the register. Pay. There's, a, there's probably a single mom that's doing her best to support her family and her kids. She got up at 3 in the morning. She's working at the gas station. She's trying to hurry and get done because she's got to get home and get her kids ready for school. She needs you to come in and just speak life to her. Be encouraging. You know what? Her kids aren't encouraging her. Her kids aren't sitting there recognizing and seeing everything the mom's doing, working hard, trying to provide. Be that person. Man, you're a great mom. You know that? You're, you're working hard. You're doing a great job. How many kids do you got? I'd love to just pray for your kids, know them by name. I mean, those things go so far to just have eyes to see that. Let's look at maybe new believers. Someone you come in contact with, maybe even right here in the church, that's a new believer. Man, I remember, I cannot forget when God saved me. It was like my eyes were opened and I could see in full color. I was so excited and I just, I couldn't read my Bible enough. It's so great to have another person just to come alongside and say, do you got anybody that's reading the Bible with you? I'd love to go down to the copper kettle and just have breakfast once a week and just show you how I'm finding God's promises to this day. I've been a Christian for 30 years, and I'd love to just show you how the promises I find in God's word are just as true today when you're a brand new believer to 30 years, to 40 years, to 50 years. Man, I don't know about you, but when I first accepted Christ, man, that was the last thing that Satan wants. He knows that he can just come at you and speak lies to you and sit there and say, 
Are you serious? He's constantly whispered lies to you. Do you believe this? Are you crazy? No intelligent person can be a Christian and believe this stuff. Friends, we need to fight for one another. We need to see a new believer and say, I want to come along and walk with you and protect you and keep you fired up for the Lord. Mature believers. How are we coming alongside mature believers? And now, what I'm going to share here may not be what you're thinking of as far as how we normally think about corporate worship and encouragement. But friends, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Life is hard. And there are folks here this morning, it was everything they could do to muster up the strength to come in here this morning. There might be somebody that's sitting right behind you, maybe someone sitting right next to you, that this week they just found out that their spouse has cancer. Prognosis doesn't look really good. Maybe they got news about a son or a daughter that's really, really hard. And they feel as far from God than they've ever felt before. That they can't, it was all they could do to walk in. They, they can't even open their mouths to worship. Friends, they need to hear you. They need you to be standing and worshiping at the top of your lungs. You're worshiping for them. The songs that we were singing this morning that our hope is in you, Lord. You are our strength in the darkness. These people, they, our brothers and sisters need to hear that. They are in a pit of despair, of darkness, that they really don't see how to get out. But they're seeing you right next to them, singing at the top of your lungs. That is why it is so important that as we were going through COVID, we couldn't hear each other sing. We're worshiping online. We're worshiping at home. We need this body. We need Sunday mornings to come together and hear each other singing at the top of our lungs to get through life together. Because there's going to be days that we're on a mountaintop and we are praising the Lord. And there's going to be days that we're walking through a valley that is so hard. And we need each other's encouragement just in corporate worship. Friends, we need each other. So what are the results of this encouragement? If we're worshiping passionately, we're encouraging those in our community. Let no corrupting talk come from your mouths, but only such that is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. The result of our encouragement is that it gives grace to those that hear. And so when you're encouraging someone else, your words are actually being used by God to be able to give them and show them his grace. Those that are far from him, those that have never experienced the true Jesus, your words is actually God's tool to draw them closer. For Christians that you're encouraging, it's actually helping conform them more into the image of Christ. God is actually working through you and your words to build another believer up. So the third key to encouragement is to remember our words are simply the overflow of our heart. Jesus shared in Matthew 12, 34, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Friends, we can't fake this. 
no matter how hard we try, we're not nice people. We're, we normally are always going to be that Eeyore. We're going to complain and be naggers and be negative. That's just part of our flesh of who we were born. And it's only Christ in us that when he saves us, it's that grace that God changes our heart. And now it's overflowing that this we are passionate, joyful people. Friends, I recognize there are people here this morning that are still wrestling with who is this Jesus. And I just want you to know this is a really safe church. This is a place where you can come and you can ask questions and wrestle, who is this Jesus? I, I, I don't know if I truly can put my faith in him. We all were there. That's what makes this so special and a great place to be. We all were there at one point. And so maybe even you're sitting there this morning and you're thinking, man, like I've gravitated into a negative person. Like what is it that I'm not as encouraging and joy-filled as what Jeff's talking about? I, I, why is that? Friends, it might be the fact that we surrendered our lives to Christ, but we surrendered what we wanted to surrender. What were we really willing to surrender? Like there was, I'm going to give you this, I'm going to give you this, but you know what? There's this part of my life that I haven't told anybody about. It's this, it's this dark closet of my life that I've just kind of shut the door on, and I'm not giving that or revealing that to anybody much less the Lord. Friends, God already knows it. And he knows that you've got it shut in this closet of your heart and you're not opening it up. And maybe today's the day that you're not just surrendering to Christ for the first time, but you're opening up that area and you're recognizing, God, if I fully surrender to you, I gotta give you all of myself. I've gotta open that closet and I've gotta let you have all of me God, so you can take all of my heart, fill all of me with your joy and your love and your grace. Friends, as we become a church that radically loves our community, that we have eyes, no one loves La Junta like you love La Junta. This is home. It's not, you don't make, fun. You don't poke fun of, oh, here's La Junta, or I live in La Junta. Like, this is your home. This is your community. These are your people. God has placed you on mission right here to love these people, to encourage them, to draw them close to Christ, to come into a relationship with Christ. I pray that we can be a church that loves our community, that people would look and see, oh, that Calvary Church Man, they're a little crazy, but they love the Lord. Like, they're a little different, they're radical, but you know what? They love Jesus, and they love this community really, really well. And so I just pray that as God continues to shape us, to conform us, to be more like him, that we can be this loving, encouraging church, like a city on a hill that's shining a light into this community making Jesus not ignorable in La Junta, 
to the ends of the earth. Pray with me. Father, God, we praise you this morning. We thank you for your word. And God, I just pray, even for myself this morning, that there's corners of our heart, there's areas of our lives that we try to hide from you. Father, I just pray today that we would surrender all of who we are. If there's anyone this morning that has never truly put their faith in you at all, today can be the day of salvation. That they would not leave today without having a conversation about who you are. And Father, for those maybe that have been walking with Christ for a long time, that we, Father, can just draw close to you in a new way. That we can truly be Christians that love this community, that we have eyes to see the people, the hurts, and how powerful our words can be to encourage and give grace to those that are far from you. Father, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name.